Hello, everyone, and welcome back yet again to another episode of the 100 Series Everyday Awesome Podcast. I am Joan Arrington, and as always, we are talking to awesome people from all around the Quad City and surrounding areas who are doing awesome things, being awesome people, and who I think you guys can learn a little bit from to become a little bit more awesome yourselves. So, that being said, this guest that we have for today's episode is an amazing person. You've probably seen her all around social media, posting pictures of her, her work at her career as an esthetician or seeing her talk about some real life issues regarding mental health. And we have Rebecca Toledo with us today. How are you, Rebecca? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Thank you again for, for coming on here, taking time out of your day to chat with us here on the podcast. I know we featured you a few weeks ago as, as a part of the Keep It 100 project, but I was talking to you uh, down here at, at Iron and Grain, and I was like, wow, wow. I was, I was really compelled by your story and what you had to share, and I was like, I have to get her on the podcast to share with everyone because I really loved you hearing your story, so thank you again. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I truly appreciate it. And I've been following you for a while with your 100 series, um, which I think is super awesome um, of what you're doing. So I was super honored for you to reach out and be like, hey, do you want to be featured? Um, so yeah, thank you. And I think it's awesome what you're trying to do with you know your podcast along with what um, you're doing with the 100 series. I think it's very unique. And it's something that in this day of social media, we definitely, definitely need to see more of. So thank you. No problem. No problem. And thank you for the, the kind words. I definitely appreciate that. Um, so before we get into everything, how about you go ahead and you just explain to everyone a little bit about who you are, what you do. Uh, exactly who is Rebecca Toledo? Okay, um, so my name is Rebecca Toledo. I'm currently an esthetician at Cemetery Beauty Lounge, which is a newer business in the Quad Cities. Um, I have been there for about a year. I've been an esthetician for seven years. Um, and I, a little bit about myself, I guess, is what I'm trying to do with um, my work is, you know, every time anyone talks about the beauty industry, you kind of think of the traditional norms of, you know, wanting to look a certain way, wanting to, you know, look like a certain norm. And what I'm trying to do with my um, work and just my social media pages is kind of to shatter that because I feel like it's really important that we each embrace our unique aspects as individuals. And I think it's really important to not look a certain way because of what the trends might be or, you know, what someone else's standards may be of beauty. I think it's really important to embrace what you find beautiful in yourself. Um, and really kind of stay true to that and embrace it. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do with my page. And I think just being very open and honest about real life things aside from beauty, I'm a huge believer that, you know, beauty starts from within. And, you know, oddly enough, even though my profession kind of focuses on the outside of beauty, I really get to build a connection with a lot of the people that I meet and a lot of my clients and guests um, and really get to kind of hone in on who their person is what their personality is to be able to make that, you know, more relevant in how they look and kind of their appearance. So that's a little bit about what I do and kind of why it's really important to me, um, you know, to be very open and honest about, you know, the beauty world, but also just in general embracing, you know, the unique 
attributes that we all have. Cool. Well, let's get into this then. Let's get into how did you get involved in the beauty world? What made you, what made you want to be a, an esthetician? So oddly enough, uh, when I was younger, I actually was kind of like a tomboy. Um, so beauty wasn't something that I was always like fascinated with. It was something that, you know, I have older sisters. I have three older sisters and we have such huge age gaps in between us. So I kind of grew up a little bit faster than most because I was able to, you know, talk to someone that was either eight, 12 or 14 years older than I was. So um, I kind of, it was kind of because of my sisters, but also the beauty world kind of interested me just in the fact that I liked the science behind it. I thought it was really interesting, you know, like how do they create so many colors off, you know, for eyeshadows? How do they create lipstick? And it was more the why behind the beauty industry. Um, but I actually wanted to be a lawyer my entire life. So oh, really? that was, that was like, ever since I was little, I told my parents, I'm like, I want to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer. Like this is, I don't know why I just, I, apparently I watched a lot of law and order when I was younger. <laughs> so I, I really wanted to be a lawyer. Um, so yeah, you know, um, once I graduated high school or, you know, even within high school, I kind of did makeup and, you know, the beauty aspect and skincare kind of on the side as just, you know, for my friends and, you know, for homecoming dances, um, prom, things like that. So it was always something that was kind of like a hobby, nothing that I actually ever thought would be a career. And when I graduated high school, I enrolled in my general education for, um, you know, to become a lawyer. And I took a course specifically that was business law. And I don't know if it was just because it was business law or if I don't know what it was, but I started to take that course and I kind of realized like, Hey, this is maybe not something that I want to do. Like, I don't know what I want to do. You know, I'm 18. I have no idea. I just graduated high school. You know, I know I've said my whole life, I want to be a lawyer, but I was kind of not sure, you know, so instead of not doing anything, I, someone had told me about, um, being an esthetician. They're like, Oh yeah, you know, you could go to beauty school, but they, have a program where you specialize specifically in just like skincare and just um, go more in depth, you know, you don't do anything with hair. And that kind of piqued my interest. And I remember thinking, I'm like, well, you know, the program's only what, nine months, I'm gonna do it, it'll give me some time to figure out what I want to do. Um, so I did the program, I graduated, I fell in love with what I was doing. And as soon as I graduated, I was offered a job um, at a local salon. And you know, the rest is kind of history. So that was kind of like what started um, my career. But more than anything, I kind of want to say I stumbled across it. It was always something that was a hobby, but it was never anything where I was like, oh my God, I'm going to grow up and do this. So um, definitely I feel like it was meant to be. And what's like, like you're, I'm a guy, so yeah. I don't know much about, you know, the whole ins and beauty outs world. Of, of, yes. yeah, of the beauty and the skincare and like using whatever you, you, you use yes. to like fine, fine tune or, or yes. you know, get the eyebrows just right. So like, what's that like having to, to put that, that type of a, that type of care uh, with people? So the interesting thing is, so when I started doing this seven years ago, no one knew what aesthetics was. They all kind of just lumped us in with hair. And even now it still kind of happens, but I think now people are be, you know, a little bit more aware of it because of social media. Um, but basically, um, aesthetics is the practice of just focusing on 
the skincare and being specialized in it. So when you go to cosmetology school, um, it varies by your state, but each state um, requires different amounts of hours. So in the state of Iowa, it's 2,100 hours to be a cosmetologist. And although they learn different aspects of like skincare, nails, and, you know, um, they kind of learn aesthetics, but not into the depth of what aesthetics is. So they focus more on hair. Now, aesthetics is more detailed to that. So, you know, our, for example, the best way that I can do it is, you know, where I work at a traditional brow wax and tint at a salon that doesn't necessarily tailor and specialize in brows is maybe going to be a 15 minute service work, you know, as opposed to where I work, it's going to be a 45 minute service because we have to, you know, learn about the history of what the client is using on their skin, making sure that whatever products we're going to use aren't going to contraindicate with whatever it is that they're currently using, making sure that, you know, their skin is suitable for the service. So it's a little bit more in depth and we have to focus. It's almost like artwork. We kind of have to focus a little bit more on how to create the perfect shape for their facial features or um, you know sometimes it's making sure that we're able to achieve the look that they're wanting so I think the best way to kind of explain it is we can we, we specialize more in areas that you may not specialize in as a cosmetologist um, skin care is being one of the big ones so um, you know we focus on facials but also just the health of the skin you know lifestyle ingredients, so many things that kind of play a role into someone's skincare. So, um, you know, I think even nowadays, it's still something that you kind of have to explain to people because it's kind of hard, you know, everyone just lumps up in with hair. Um, but it is a career that is definitely really, really enriching and, you know, fulfilling for me. All right. So what do you think is like, like your biggest challenge? as far as being an esthetician like have you ever had like a, a client ask for something like you know way out the norm that you had to like <laughs> you know figure something out you know at the drop of a dime yes um so i think that is kind of the hardest thing is because as an you know esthetician just a beauty professional in general when you have someone come into your chair you have all walks of life you have all types of people as far as you know what they like and um different skin textures, different hair textures. And so there's so many different factors. So, you know, I've had people come in that kind of want something that's unrealistic. And at, at least for myself, I like to be very honest with my clients and very open. So if I feel like I can't um, achieve the result that they're wanting, I just let them know like, hey, this is kind of out of, um, you know, either my scope of practice or B, this is something that I just don't think I'm going to be able to give to you. Um, I either refer them to someone else or I give them options or a game plan. So um, definitely I want to say that can be the most challenging part of it. Um, the biggest challenging thing I think is going to be the mental aspects of it. I don't think people realize how much you really have to give mentally to this profession or even just in the beauty world. Um, so sometimes that can be very difficult because you'll have days where, you know, you feel very confident in what you're doing and then you'll have days where maybe you don't feel as confident, but regardless, you have to try to find a way to work through it. So it doesn't reflect on the work that you're doing. So I would definitely say, I think the mental aspect of it is probably the hardest. Gotcha. And speaking of mental aspect, you have a very compelling uh, journey regarding mental health. 
And I really want to talk to you about that now. And yeah. really, if you don't mind, just sharing exactly where and where your mental health journey started and how did that lead you to where you are today? Okay. Um, so my mental health journey actually started, so I got pregnant three years ago and I had never planned on having kids. It's not, it was not in the books. I definitely did not want to get pregnant. Um, but I was actually on birth control with my first son. And so I got pregnant and I did not handle it very well. Um, it was probably one of the hardest things for me because I'm a planner and I like to plan things. And because it wasn't in, you know, kind of my life plan, it kind of threw me for a loop. Um, so it was definitely something very, very difficult for me, one, to accept, but two, also to kind of just wrap my head around like, oh my God, I'm going to raise a human being. You know, it's like probably the scariest thing um, I've ever had to do in my life. And so I definitely um, kind of went through the motions with that and all throughout my pregnancy, um, you know, I got to a point where I thought I was okay, you know, and mental health isn't really talked about. So the way that I was feeling wasn't anything that I ever shared with anyone. It was something that I just kind of kept to myself and I just found ways to kind of brush it off. I was like, oh, you know, I'm just having a bad day. It's whatever, you know. Um, but then I consistently kept having these bad days and just days where, you know, I I didn't feel like myself. And eventually um, I gave birth to my son. And I think I didn't realize that I had postpartum depression until I got pregnant with my second son. So I got pregnant right away after I had my first one. I think my oldest was six months when I found out I was pregnant again. So I think that's when it really hit me was because I was kind of going through the motions after I had my second son, never addressed it, never dealt with it. I was just kind of brushed it under the rug was like, whatever, you know, it's not a big deal. I'll get over it. And then when I got pregnant with my second son, it's when it really hit me. And, um, all throughout my pregnancy, I was severely depressed and I did not realize that I was um, solely for the fact that, I mean, okay, I take that back. I, re I think I realized that I needed help, but I didn't realize that it was that bad to the point where it was like, okay, I need help. Um, so I kind of brushed it under the rug, didn't really, you know, once again, followed into that same pattern of not doing anything about it. Um, and it got to the point where I was so irritable, so short with people. So like I had all these emotions that I didn't understand and I couldn't really put into words. Um, and it started to affect those around me. And, you know, not only that, but it started to affect the way that I just interacted with people on a daily basis, including my son. Um, the biggest thing is I've always been a neat freak, but I think that when I was pregnant with my second son, I was almost like borderline OCD because I would come home and I didn't want to socialize with anyone. I wanted to go straight home, start cleaning. I didn't want to talk about anything. I didn't want anyone to talk to me. Um, I didn't really want to interact with anybody. And um, so I remember it got to the point where I was just so irritable that I got upset over the smallest thing and I just blew up. You know, all these emotions that I had been feeling, all these things that I wasn't understanding, um, I just... I kept it in and it finally just like over, you know, boiled and just, I went off and it was not pretty. And it was, um, definitely something where at that moment I just let it all out. And then at the end I was like, Oh my God, 
I definitely need help, you know? And I remember my family being like, oh, well, you know, like we're trying to help you, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I think I need like professional help. Like I don't understand what I'm going through. I have all these emotions. Um, And I think my most toxic trait, I guess you could say, was that I shut down instead of obviously talking to people and reaching out um, and telling people I needed help. I just decided that I was going to shut down and do my own thing and just keep everyone in the dark. Um, And so after I had that moment where I blew up and I was, you know, at my worst and lowest point, um, I decided to reach out and get help. And I reached out to my doctor and I kind of let her know what I was feeling. And, you know, I'm like, I, I need help. Um, so she set me up with, um, I went through the University of Iowa for my pregnancies, but she set me up with a women's clinic who actually specializes in, um, you know, therapy for people that are either pregnant or, you know, have, are dealing with postpartum, uh, miscarriages, abortions, things like that. So it was a clinic that was specialized kind of in what I was going through. Um, And I remember I was super, super nervous because when I had to call and make the appointment, you know, first of all, no one ever talks about mental health. So you, the only thing you can think of is mental health. You associate it with being crazy or, you know, needing like an asylum or something. And so when I called, I was like, you know, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know what to expect. Um, you know, like, are you guys going to take my kids away from me? Like, I don't know how this works. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, that's not, that's not, you know, she's like, those are just like stigmas that people have. She's like, but all we do is we want to talk to you. We want to figure out a plan that's going to be beneficial for you. Um, So, you know, it was very nerve wracking, but I think the hardest part was getting help because I think I went on for about almost a year and a half that way, you know? where I just kind of shut down and didn't talk to anyone about the way that I was feeling. And, um, that was the hardest part. I think when I was finally able to be like, I need help. It was like the most liberating feeling ever. Um, but at the same time, it was so scary because you don't hear about anyone talking about, you know, anxiety, depression, um, any type of mental health, anxiety, depression just happened to be the most common, but a lot of people don't talk about it. So I had no idea aside from the resources that my doctor gave me what to expect, let alone even at my first um, session, I had no idea what to expect. And I think my biggest thing is with what I'm doing, you know, in the beauty industry, I feel like it plays such a role because I get to communicate with people and talk to people. And, you know, surprisingly, people open up about the most, um, you know, private things that you wouldn't think about, you know, during sessions, I've had people, you know, tell me about, you know, things that they're dealing with in their daily life, you know, and so being able to intertwine kind of my experience and being able to let people know it's okay to talk about it. There's nothing wrong with, you know, seeking help or needing help. Um, it's kind of what I'm trying to push in this industry too. So, um, I think they just, for me go hand in hand. And my biggest thing is I remember what I felt like when I was going through all those things and before I got help and I never want anyone else to ever feel like they can't talk about it or that they're the only one going through it. And what would you say is something that the professional has mm-hmm. to offer rather than just talking to a friend or a family member because you you mentioned that you needed mm-hmm. professional help mm-hmm. so what you no know, 
for someone who's never been to a therapy session before, like, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, could they expect? So, um, the biggest thing is going to be coping mechanisms. So I, that's the biggest difference is that professionals are kind of, you know, they study the traits of how people cope, um, and healthy ways to do that. Um, the biggest one that I still struggle with now and was something that I struggled with the worst was intrusive thoughts, which I had never really put a name to it, but intrusive thoughts was more in the sense of like, I would think of something and I'd be like, Oh my God, no, you suck. You did this wrong. This looks terrible. Like, Oh my goodness. Like basically talking negatively to yourself. And instead of finding a healthy way to break that cycle, I would just shut down and I'd be like, you know what? I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to hear anyone or talk to anybody, think about anything. Um, and so being able to go to a therapist, she was able to kind of make me realize those things and a healthy way to break the pattern of thinking that way. Um, so I would say that's the biggest thing about a professional and also not being biased. I think it's very hard because when you have friends and family, no matter how much you want to talk to them, they're always going to have a little bit of like their own biasness to your situation, you know, where I didn't need that. I needed someone to tell me like, Hey, you need help because you are coping in very unhealthy ways. You're doing, you know, you have this toxic trait and we need to work on that versus someone that is in my family might be like, Hey, don't be an asshole. But, you know, doesn't really show me how to not be an asshole type of thing, you know? Um, so I think that was the biggest thing about getting help is that I was able to just kind of like spit out how I felt. And then I had someone else letting me know, like, actually, this is what you're feeling. And it's completely normal to feel that way versus someone who may not deal with what I'm dealing and can't really give me that insight that I need to get better. And are you still in therapy now? Yes. Yes. Um, so I have been in therapy for about, it'll be three years on and off. Um, and it's honestly the most beneficial thing that I've ever done in my life. Um, I think the biggest thing about therapy that people might have a misconception about is they think that one session is going to fix it all and it won't (laughs) like it definitely doesn't. Um, the first session that I ever had, I was really, really nervous because, you know, you don't know what to expect. No one ever talks about it. And it's very different, you know, depending on the therapist that you go to. Um, but the therapist I went to at that time was just very open. And, you know, um, you kind of have an idea where you go and you sit in a couch and someone's just writing notes about you. And to an extent, it is kind of that way, but it was honestly just having a conversation. And the nice thing about it was that I was able to be, I feel more open than if I had ever had a conversation with like a family member. I was able to actually be like, this is how I feel and not have to worry about if the things that I said would hurt the person that was listening. And I think that's the biggest thing that people don't realize that you know, when you're talking to a therapist, you can say whatever, and you can kind of just spit it out and don't have to worry about like, oh my God, did I hurt their feelings? Or what are they going to think about me? Um, Because at the end of the day, you know, like you're there to share exactly how you feel. Um, So I would definitely say that it has changed my life. And, you know, it's taken me three years, almost three years to get to the point that I'm at now where I can talk about the things that I went through and feel um, like I've, I've actually healed in some of those areas and I'm continuing to heal. Um, but it definitely is something that I don't think I'm ever going to stop doing. And I know you mentioned that you suggested therapy to some of your clients. Is, is that correct? 
Um, so what I'll have like my clients, not necessarily that I've suggested it. I mean, I suggest it to everyone. If everyone's like, you know, I feel mm-hmm. in my opinion that everyone could, you know, get away with therapy and it would be beneficial for them. Um, but with my clients, really, it's just nice because, you know, especially if I have a lot of like clients that are moms or even just clients that are also struggling with that, it's nice to know that they can talk to me about it. And they're like, oh my God, you know, like my anxiety was really bad today, but I'm so glad that I'm here for my appointment for, you know, this and this reason. Not necessarily that because I'm their therapist, but more so because it's nice to have someone that you can relate to and someone that you can be open to about and be like, oh, you know, like, yeah, I've had a bad day, but, you know, um, I, you know, I'm going to go talk to my therapist. You know, I feel like talking talking about mental health and saying you're going to go see your therapist should be just as normal as being like, Hey, I'm going to go to a doctor's appointment to get a checkup. And so I think once you're able to have that openness, it's really nice because even for my clients, um, you know, either people my age or people that are very, um, going through similar things that I've gone through or go through. Um, it's nice to have that relatable conversation. So usually when I have clients, yeah, you know, if they ask about it, I just, you know, I talk to them about it openly. And, you know, if they ask me like, Oh, do you go to therapy? I've always, you know, I'm like, yeah, I do, you know, and just kind of creating a norm for that conversation. Cause I think that's the most important thing is I, I think it's very important to be able to just talk about it. normally. Do you feel that, mental health is being talked about more, especially over the last year or so. I, cause for, for me personally, I feel yeah. that, that at least on my social media feeds that there are more people openly talking about mental mm-hmm. health, its importance in their own mental health journeys. Mm-hmm. And like me, especially like I've mm-hmm. been open about some of the things I've had to deal with with my, with my own mental health. Um, do yeah. you feel that in the same way that's more prevalent nowadays? I definitely feel like people are talking about it more and I think it has to do with, you know, quarantine in itself. Um, I feel like so many people realize like, I guess for me, when I was in quarantine, it was when I was, I grew the most because I feel like in a way it was quarantine was hard for me because you were stuck inside. You didn't know what was going on. I'm already a very anxious person. And then you have like this pandemic that no one knows about and, you know, these numbers. And basically I was like scared and very anxious. And so I, you know, started to just be more open about it and talk about it. And then I started noticing that, yeah, other people are having conversations like this. And I think it is starting to become something normalized, which I think is amazing. And I think it's awesome that people are starting to um, recognize self-care is kind of mental health and, you know, part of mental health. And so I think within the past year, it has become very more talked about because you've had a full year of people being inside and only having to focus really on themselves and the things that they can control. Um, So it's kind of opened, I think, people's eyes a little bit more about the conversation. Um, And not only that, but just overall, just the increase in, you know, suicides and, um, you know, that itself being talked about more and just how that correlates with mental health. And so I think that is um, something that I think is awesome that people are talking about it, especially within this last year. And I'm hoping that, you know, as the years go on, that this is a conversation that becomes more and more normalized. And when did you start using your social media uh, accounts as a platform to really raise more awareness about 
mental health? Because um, you, you, you have a very cool uh, social media page, by the way. You have a lot of <laughs> obviously pictures of your of your work and your career, yeah. but also a lot of very cool artsy photos as well. But it all like wraps around this overarching idea of taking care of yourself. Um, so I want to say about two years ago um, is when I really started, and it was. Oh, Sorry, like my memory after quarantine, like my memory is kind of hazy. I just like lump everything together. But it was about two years ago. And I remember kind of I was just at that point where I was working at. I used to own um, my own business for five years. And then with my kids, I decided that I want to work for someone else. Um, but when I made that decision, I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm so tired of social media being used as something to be like, Oh, my life is perfect. Blah, blah, blah. Like, why can't we just have real fun, open conversations about real things? You know, like the biggest thing was, you know, I remember talking um, to another colleague and I was kind of throwing the idea of around of, you know, I want to be more open about my mental health and how it intertwines with my professional life. And, um, the colleague that I was talking to at the time was like, Oh, well, I don't know if you should do that because you know, there's professional and there's personal and it's really important to separate the two, which I agree to, to a certain extent. And, um, that was kind of my, you know, she was saying, no, no, don't do it. But I was like, screw it. I'm going to do it. You know? And the reason I decided to do that was because I thought it was so important for people to understand who I was. And I don't necessarily want to be the person that offers these services to everyone. I want to be the person that offers my profession and my services to people that are like-minded and can relate to who I am as a person. And that was my biggest thing. I'm like, you know, this is Rebecca Toledo aesthetics is part of me. I can't try to, you know, exclude one part because it's all, you know, the good, bad, ugly, everything comes with that. And that was when I decided to be more open about just mental health, you know, the daily um, realities of this industry, how mental health intertwines with what I do. Um, and that was kind of the gateway of me having that. Because when I scroll on social media, I don't want to see like, oh my God, you know, my life is so perfect and blah, blah, blah. And I get it for some that might kind of be their coping mechanism. But for me, I wanted to be the person that I would have wanted to have two years ago or even three years ago when I was at my worst, you know, being able to have someone that I could, you know, relate to at, at the end of the day is the biggest thing is someone that I could relate to. And that is why I decided to intertwine both of them because, you know, who I am is part of what I offer and the style of work that I do and, you know, the environment that I offer. And it would be silly of me to try to exclude one side of myself when all of that is kind of what I pour into what I do. Nice. So how could someone go about finding a therapist if they were looking for one? Like, like how, how does one go about doing that? So um, the... The one, the foundation that I have researched and I like to look for for information is called NAMI. So it's the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Um, and when you go on to NAMI, it's a very informative site. So you can go on there and it'll give you different options of how to contact a professional. Um, or if you don't contact a professional, it'll give you resources on how to do it exactly. Um, the way that I went about it was I talked to my doctor about it and I told her 
um, you know, like how I was feeling and um, let her know like, hey, I would really like to talk to someone or seek professional help. Um, and she was able to give me those resources, at, you know, kind of a vague resource, but still enough where I was able to kind of like go and find a professional. Um, but NAMI is one of the sites that I have found is a very informational and just gives you, um, you know, statistics about mental health, lets you know, like, you know, one in five people are dealing with this. And it gives you a lot of information, but in very like, direct points. And so I would say that if you have a doctor and you can talk to a doctor or you can call a mental, um, you can call a mental health clinic and the mental health clinic is going to, so the one that I go to now is called Mad Therapy in Bettendorf. And so I was actually uh, referred to by them or to them by one of my clients. And I just gave them a call and let them know like, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Like I would, you know, I've described to them a little bit about my past and kind of what I'm looking for moving forward with my therapy. Um, but there's a lot of resources. The one I recommend is Mamie because it is, um, very informational and it also gives you a list of resources. Um, and if you can't afford those resources, they also give you options on different things that you can do. Nice. So really, there's you know something for everyone. Mhm. Mm mhm. All right. Well then, with that being said, I want to switch over to another segment of the podcast that I have called the Crow's Nest. It's okay. kind of like a like a lightning round, rapid fire question okay. type type of deal here. Give me one second. I'm gonna go okay. grab uh, my questions real quick. Okay. Oh, and another point before I forget too, um, the biggest thing with social media and something that I like to tell people is post whatever you want. I think that nowadays you're kind of, you look at social media and you feel like you have to post a certain way, you have to do a certain thing. And it's like, just post what you want. If it feels good and you like it, regardless if it gets a hundred likes or one like, just post it, you know? I feel like that's the biggest thing and be true to who you are at the end of the day. That's the most important thing, you know, and be open about it. If you have a bad day, it's okay to have a bad day. You know, just don't get stuck in that bad day and be able to move forward. I think that's the biggest thing with social media is, you know, even for me, I use it as a way to heal and also as a way to, you know, interact with people in a very healthy manner. And so I think being true and open and honest, you know, about yourself and just being like, Hey, you know, this is what I am and you either take it or leave it is the, you know, most uh, beneficial mindset that you can have when it comes to social media. I think transparency has been huge for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have been, you know, really allowing themselves to be more vulnerable. I've seen a lot of my, my friends open themselves up and just reading the comments under some of their mm -hmm. posts of just, just seeing how welcoming and how understanding people yeah. are has been very very, very reassuring. Yeah. And I think, it, I think that's why it's so awesome that you're doing something like this, because honestly, you know, if you go through social media, your account is very unique. And just like the message that you're trying to send is so unique. Um, and it's amazing that people have that and they have that platform because I think it's so good to have a healthy 
way of thinking positive, you know, and having that resource and even these podcasts where people can go back and listen to them or, um, you know, if there's something that piques someone's interest, then they have that. So I think that's amazing that you're doing that because it's very unique. And I think, you know, like I have said before, I think it's something that social media needs to do more of is just have that vulnerability, that openness and no, really no BS, just kind of what it is. It is, you know, here. So I, I love that. I think we're getting closer to that. I think people are starting to to see who the real people are and, and the ones who are just putting on, you know, a front. And yep. it's it becomes it's becoming a lot more apparent as to who those people yes. are. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree completely. All right. You ready to get into some some questions here? Yes. All right. If we were in person, I'd have you pick out the questions yourself. But okay. since we're doing this all uh, through the wonders of the internet. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to gonna pick out three questions, all right? Okay. All right, here we go. All right. If you could pick a theme song for your life, what would it be? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I would probably go with my favorite song, Save Yourself by Kaleo. Okay, I don't think I've heard that. Is that is that a recent song or has that been out for a while? Uh, no, that's been out for a while. I think about like two years. They're one of my favorite bands. Um, they're actually from Iceland. Um, and then they came to the U.S. And they've just kind of like blown up within the past two, three years. Um, very good band, though. What's like the like the message behind that? Obviously, the song is called. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, Save Yourself is kind of very meaningful for me because I think for the longest time, and I think a lot of people can relate with this, is people wait for something or someone to happen to be the catalyst of their change or to be the reason at, you know, behind why they either are going to do something in their life. And I think at the end of the day, that song kind of speaks to me because you have to be in a way your own hero. You have to realize like, Hey, I shouldn't have to wait for someone else to kick me in the ass and tell me you got to get your stuff together. You know, I should be the one wanting to do that. Um, and so that's the biggest thing behind it for me is, you know, it doesn't matter if you're going to get to your breaking point at the end of the day, you should be able to be what gets you through. So that's, I, I think for me, the reason why I love that song. And I like how you mentioned, you know, be your own hero, because uh, mm-hmm. there was a, a song off of the Black Panther soundtrack a couple of years ago mm-hmm. called, called uh, Pray For Me and mm-hmm. you know, featuring The Weeknd and Kendrick Lamar. And in yes. that song, Kendrick Lamar has um, part of his verse goes, who need a hero? Look in the mirror. There go your hero. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's so true. I think a lot of times, um, I think a lot of times we try to look for either celebrities or, you know, these people in such almost like untouchable platforms to be what kind of is the catalyst for change in our personal lives. And I think it's so important, one, to be your own hero, you know, like, I don't want to sit around and ever get to the point where I was three years ago waiting for something or someone to happen to make me realize that I needed help or to get change, you know, and I think being your own hero is the biggest thing. So I think you have to save yourself. Don't wait for anyone else to do it for you. I love it. Love it. All right. Here we go again. Or another one. All right. Finish this sentence. The best part about being me is. I'm funny. All right. 
at least I think I'm funny, but I'm okay <laughs> with that. I'll own my dad jokes. I don't care. What's uh, what's your favorite dad joke? Hmm. I don't know. I have so many. Anytime someone says a really like corny joke, I call them knee slappers and I literally will like slap my knees. And so <laughs> it's not really like that funny, but I think it's hilarious. So <laughs> As, I've never heard of knee slapper before, but it's it's but the just imagine you like slapping your knee like it's it sounds yeah. like it'd be hilarious. All right, last question here. What is your favorite memory from the last five years? Oh man, that one's hard. So I would say my favorite memory, and I've told this story before. Um, is when my dad came with me to my first appointment for my therapy session. I remember I was super nervous. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. And I had not really told anyone, like I'd kind of mentioned it to my family, but never really told them like, Hey, I'm taking the initiative to actually go and talk to a therapist. Um, so I was really anxious. So I asked him if he could drive me up to just like an OB appointment, you know, cause I was pregnant at that time. Um, so he was like, yeah, you know, like, of course I'll take you. And he came with me and I remember I sat in the waiting room and I was really anxious and I was really quiet and he turns over to me and he's like, I know why you're here. And I looked at him and I was like, Oh my God, you know, and he was like, and I'm so happy that you're getting the help that you need, you know? And just like, I think that's my biggest and most favorite memory because I was at my lowest point where I thought no one noticed. And, you know, I was trying really hard to like play it off and like that no one would ever know why I'm here. And it was just so reassuring to have his support and just even him saying those words was like the biggest relief that I ever felt. Um, so I would say within the last five years, that's probably my top memory because I was grateful to have almost like that unspoken, spoken support in my life. Um, and it meant a lot to me. So I would say that is definitely my, my favorite memory. That's awesome. That is so cool that, <laughs> that you know, you have the support of, of your family when you're going through something like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it was definitely, and I remember I started bawling because I was like, oh my God, I hadn't even gotten to my session yet and I was already crying. And he was like, oh my God, you know, and I'm like, no, like I just, it, I think for me, it was just so like comforting. One, because that's my dad, he's like my best friend. But two, it was more just nice to know that I was like, Ooh, like I finally felt like I could take a deep breath and was like not hiding this big secret. Um, and just to know that you never really know how anyone's going to react to you saying that you need help. So having that positive reaction and, you know, just his reassurance of like, it's going to be okay was, was very, it's what I needed at the moment. Nice. Oh, well, all right. That is it. That is the contest. Congratulations. <laughs> you, you survived it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so before we wrap things up here, is there anything else that you would like to share with the people who are watching this, listening to this, anything you want to get out there? Yeah, I would say um, the biggest thing is, especially right now, um, embrace who you are. I think a lot of times, even I've fallen into this before where I look at my past and even just where I was three years ago. And I think of like, Oh, I never want to be that person again. Um, and yes, I never want to be that person or fall into that, but I'm so grateful that I went through that because it's kind of shaped who I am. Um, and kind of gives me that motivation to continue to, you know, get better and, you know, deal with a lot of the personal issues I have. Um, 
But more importantly, I think it's going to be just be you and don't really leave anyone else's, you know, don't leave your happiness in anyone else's hands because I think that's the biggest thing that can lead to a downfall for someone. Do you for you and stop caring what other people think because everyone is going to have an opinion about how you talk, how you dress, what you do, what you don't do. Um, so at the end of the day, I feel like it's so important to just be you and do you for you, you know, and regardless of what people say, just do you ultimately, you know, there is no price tag for happiness and being truly happy starts with being yourself. So I would definitely say just be you continue to, you know, follow your dreams and do what you want and don't worry about what others think. Great message. I like that. Do <laughs> do you for you. I think that might be the title yeah. of this episode. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> stuff. All right. So how can people find you if they want to look you up? Um, so you can go to Instagram. That's where I'm more active. I do have TikTok, um, but I usually just use that kind of just to see other people's TikToks, but it's Rebecca Toledo Aesthetics and uh, you can go onto Instagram. Um, I also have a website. So if you go onto my Instagram, you're also directed to my website. Um, so if you know you have questions about anything or you want to reach out, uh, you can always send me a message or you can go to my website. Perfect. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing your incredible journey with us all. You're an amazing woman. You're a strong woman. <laughs> and you're right now, you're going to be touching someone's lives through the message that you just shared with us. So thank you again. Thank you so much for having me and for your kind words. <laughs> and everyone at home, thank you for checking out another episode of the 100 Series Every Day Awesome Podcast. Make sure you go ahead and follow Rebecca on social media and make sure that you are followed to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and so many more places so you know exactly when the next episode is going to drop. Thank you all again. Wishing you all at home peace, prosperity, and positivity. Take care of yourselves. And as always, keep it 100. <laughs>